0: live episode of guy live b2b jam session happy monday morning or for some of you all watching internationally tuesday morning and welcome back to a lovely lovely start of the week today i have an amazing special guest but before i go into who my special guest is today want to wish everyone listening and tuning in love and harmony make sure to go get big black tea zen if you haven't we have been selling out of tea every single day since we launched on October 1st. And we've been more than grateful for those of you who have been supporting us in this journey and making Big Black Tea a household name across the world. We really appreciate you. First and foremost, the tea was for our community, but we now see that it's reaching the world. So we are really, really grateful for that. In addition to that, wanna show love to some of the people who are already commenting. Shout out to Mr. Abel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Shout out to Mr. Gutham. What's up? Good time. Nice to see you. And a potential random Facebook user who I probably know, but I can't read their name. What's up to you as well? Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are excited about today's episode, do me a favor really quick. Please share it with all of the people in your network, your LinkedIn network, your Facebook network, your Twitter network. Share this episode because today's episode is going to be fire because we're talking to someone who has introduced me to, to a friend of mine, one of our advisors, actually. Mr. Lars Singel, who is the founder of Tech for Life. He's an entrepreneur with over 20 years of experiences in startups and venture capital. For the past 15 years, he's worked as president and CEO of Milestone Systems. Check him out if you haven't heard of him. And throughout his career, he's been driven by the desire to inspire and create. Similar to us here at Guide, inspire and create, he believes has steered him in the direction of leadership positions in burgeoning companies and industries and has cultivated his passion around technology and why he believes it should be used for good so we're going to be diving diving deep on his latest book today and asking him a little bit about what does tech for life mean what's the book about and fundamentally what are his thoughts on the future of technology and how is it going to affect our privacy and what should we be mindful of as consumers but also as creators If you want to create a more ethical, tech-driven future. Super excited to be speaking with him. And without further ado, let's show him some love and bring him on the show. Now, I know you all always have questions when I'm talking to our amazing guests. So feel free to ask your questions throughout the duration of our podcast. With that said, Lars, what's up, man?
1: Hey, man. All great. All great over here. All great over here. I'm in Copenhagen, Denmark. So uh, oh, this is uh, autumn. Autumn, we're hitting into wintertime, and it's getting dark soon.
0: Uh, is it is it is it nice and sunny there in Denmark right now in winter, or is it cold as well?
1: No, it's uh, it is uh, well, it's in Fahrenheit. It will be 50, 50 some Fahrenheit degrees. Oh, wow. um, a, ra- a rainy day over here, but uh, but I don't mind too much. I mean, the summers are,
0: are even more so beautiful here. So so I, I live with the winters. Dude, I love it. I love it. So, how long have you been living in Denmark? You know, when did your career take you to Denmark to, to start life? So, we, I'm I'm actually born and raised. So, uh, on the contrary, I've
1: been living in the U- U.S. I lived in the U.S. Uh, many years back. I lived in New York for a couple of years, um, and then, of course, business travels over the years, and vacationing, and taken me to to the U.S. and and the world. Uh, and and for the past few months, very little travel, of course. Um, but uh, but I have been uh, I've been in the U.S. Uh, a lot. And all, with all the companies I have been building over the years, we have always had the uh, U.S. as our more or less home market, with in excess of 50% uh, of revenues coming up from the U.S. So, so
0: I'm very familiar to the U.S. Wow, wow, that's amazing! That's amazing, man. So, uh, having spent some time in the U.S. and spending your time in Denmark right now, you know, what would you say are the are the two biggest differences between the, the two places?
1: Ah, oh, man, uh, yeah. Well, when, when I speak with my friends uh, in the U.S. Um, yeah. I think that you're, you. I know that you are you are you are coming out of the of the fires uh, in the California vicinity. So that's great. I think uh, the COVID nineteen coronavirus is 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 harder hitting you guys than it is over here, yeah. even though that we are picking up on our numbers uh, yeah. here as well. Um, and then I think that I think that the, there is a, a certain um, I would say calmness over the situation here that that many places in the US does not face. You yeah. have the U.S. election topping it all up. So, uh, so I think that I'm not saying it's it's boring here relative to the U.S., but I'm I'm saying it's it's very nice actually, Um, and and uh, and so that's that's why I'm living here because I I actually think
0: it's the the model works pretty nice over here. Yeah, yeah, no, I always tell people one of my favorite places in the world is Copenhagen, and specifically is that right? (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) The happiest people are in Copenhagen, literally, and that is true yeah
1: that is true so so and and there's a lot of discussion and sometimes we we, we kind of sounds like like uh, naive people because we are so
0: uh,
1: <laughs> how how happy can you be but actually you know when when winding up everything uh, the model by the end of the day does work and, uh, and many of my friends in the us will call us the ultimate ultimate socialism but hey man if this is how socialism looks
0: like, I'm okay. <laughs> hundred percent. You know, so I'm excited to dive deep with you today, Lars, because you have, you're you even doing some really amazing things this year. You know, although so many businesses have shut down, a lot of people went to sleep this year. You've been working and you recently just launched your latest book, Tech for Life. First of all, I want us to like go back a little bit. You know, what inspired the book and, you know, why did you decide to release it now?
1: Okay, um, sure. So, so let, me, let me make it kind of an in-flight as to, as to the thoughts about uh, the book that came out here over the summer. Um, so um, this is something that has been uh, going on the way uh, for some time. Um, actually, there is an old book that was inspiring me to, to dive into uh, discussing responsible use of technology in much more detail. And that's a, a book from 1968. And I got one in my hand here. And it's, um, it's a Swedish uh, Nobel Prize winner called Hannes Alvin that wrote this book. It's a dystopia from 1968. It's wow. called The Great Computer. It's called The Great Computer. And in this book, Hannes Alvin argues about, you know, the, the, it's kind of the rise of the robots back in 1968. And it's kind of also a dystopian um, story about, you know, uh, basically, what, what would be the English term for this? He is trying to prove that there is something called uh, the big um, uh, the big uh, e- equation on complexity in society. Mm. Um, and the complexity being that over time, societies will develop to be so complex that you need computer power to solve the issues. Mm. And as this scales over time, you get more and more dependent on computers. And at some point, computers will overtake, uh, you know, what, what would be the decision power and so on? And then, you know, i.e., is there something called explainable AI today? Yes, there is. Does that mean that there is something called unexplainable AI? Yes, there is. And that means sometimes actually computers, uh, to this day, already today in 2020, uh, about uh, 52 years later after this book, after this book was written, um, computers are able to do um suggestions uh, using algorithms that sometimes humans does not understand mm. and i think that's a very very unhealthy way to go and you can just you can just think loud what kind of of, of examples it's not that i don't like technology i love technology yeah. i like technology for good use but if you if you if you just take the example here of um, algorithm um, you know, that come up with suggestion that is unexplainable to humans, which is the case in many, in many cases, actually AI, and you go with that suggestion from the computer, you can get into situations that are very, very bad. And you say, you can say, you know, um, should you start a war? Should you do this? Should you do that? Of course, that would be human judgment by the end of it. But if you rely on your algorithms in your AI to be more solid than yourself, well, then, then I think we have an issue. So this this book, and I actually found a copy, and, and I can I can just tell from uh, from popular demand here that I found my first copy of this book many years ago, um, and then I wanted to buy a, a second copy some years ago, actually a year ago, hmm. and I I paid uh, back then. You can you can buy used books at Amazon as you can every many other places, um, and I I think I, I bought the first one for ten or fifteen bucks back then. Last time I was looking for this book, the price tag. The price asked was twelve hundred dollars. Wow! And to me, so this is this is a very very heavy asset. I don't disguise. Uh, I want to disguise my private address because <laughs> I'm just kidding. This this is this was twelve hundred dollars asking price uh, wow. for this book. What it tells me is that there's a lot of interest in what's talked about in books like this. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm. I'm not. This is not my insight to the the, the books that I was writing. Uh, and released this year in itself because I was not uh, I was not uh, doing this uh, for the monetary side of it, but I was inspired by this one by this book. and and um, over the past few years also have been behind as a sponsor in my in my job and also as an active uh, member in something called the tech Festival in Copenhagen. and it's something that has been starting up in 2017. And in 2017, uh, we were kind of getting uh, getting a, a festival together in Copenhagen, with the purpose of discussing technology and humanity, and mm. you know what's in between. And people were kind of you know uh, getting into very passionate discussions about you know pros and cons, and and computers will save the, the humanity, and computers will kill humanity. Mm. You can actually argue, you can argue both ways, right? Mm. And part of the design in the in the first year's Tech Festival was to go uh, in the in a think tank. We gathered together 150 specific chosen people. These were artists and architects and designers and some technology people as well. But a very broad uh, group of people, 150 people from all over the world, from I think 24, 25 countries. And we sat them together to uh, to uh, to come up 48 hours uh, work. Come up with a manifest, a manifesto. And we built a manifesto actually that ended up uh, after 48 hours. It's a one pager and it's called the Copenhagen Letter. Wow. And if you, if you go to the letter.org you will see the content. Basically, it states, um, uh, you know, I can just say a couple of sentences from this, but to everyone who forms technology today, don't design for addiction, abuse, and so on. And by the end of the, of the Copenhagen letter, we say and leave the garden a little bit greener than you found it. Wow. These kind of concepts, right? Um, so with this Copenhagen letter, we were building on momentum on the tech festival. We had about, uh, I think, 16,000 people participating first year in Copenhagen from all of these countries. We had about 20,000 people coming the year after. And, um, and so we're trying to build a momentum and a movement around the dichotomy of um, of uh, humans and technology, and what's in between, and how do we balance this best possible?
0: Mm.
1: And then, in um, in fueling more to this discussion, um, I was sitting down thinking about you know, with the Copenhagen letter at hand, with the great computer at hand, uh, with a lot of uh, this was when the movie The Great Hack was just coming out of Netflix. Uh, later on, the social dilemma came out, and so on. And how do we actually then come up with a solution in in um, in uh, you know this horrible world in many ways but we want to use technology for good and live responsible with it what what should we do and what what one of the questions that uh, that has been inspiring me and that is not only with writing this book it has been in my businesses and still does is a question around what are you optimizing for mm. And we see a lot. We see a lot of answers to something like this, right? So depending on who you ask, right? So if I ask Tim, what are you optimizing for? You might come up with A, B, or C. i I, I, I'm not sure what you would say, but I have some guesses. But but people come up with a variety of what am I optimizing for? If you paraphrase this and say, okay, in the context of responsible use of technology, what are we optimizing for? We see a lot of trends going on in the world right now, and if I just take it. In macro trends, I would say that there is the Silicon Valley way, Valley way where we have, you know, let, let me just state and, and don't, don't, uh, don't kill me, all you guys from the U.S. in saying so, but I'm saying, I, I would just claim that in Silicon Valley, we, you are optimizing for profits, let's just say. Other parts of the world, let's go to China, for example, and say, what is China optimizing for? They are optimizing for social control. Sometimes people would argue for deception as well, and then there's something in the middle, which where I reside. This is Europe. What are we optimizing for over here? And basically, what we say is that we're optimizing for life. We're mm-hmm. optimizing for the longevity of life and for balance between technology and humans, and not for profit, not for social control, but for something in between. Mm. So, given that. We are talking uh, in the book and I'm saying we because I actually have a a co-author that is uh, uh, by far more uh, visible uh, out there than I am in many respects because he is the chairman of Siemens uh, amongst others and he is the chairman of the Maersk uh, Maersk group um, and others and he used to be the CEO of uh, SAP. He is called uh, Jim Higman Snape. He happens to be Danish as well but a very international guy um, and uh, and maybe more most importantly in this context, he is also on on the trustee board of the World Economic Forum.
0: Wow!
1: So uh, so Jim was actually bringing uh, an abstract of uh, our book, this book. This is the final product. He was he was bringing a beta version, you know, real agile fashion and whatnot, minimum viable product. Uh, he was bringing this to World Economic Forum in Davos in January, and uh, sat down with the top hundred CEOs. Uh, of the world, and got feedback that we uh, kind of have interwoven into this book. Mm. And amongst, uh, amongst the people that read the book, uh, we also have Mark Benioff from Salesforce. Uh, he gives wow. a very nice book in the book. So Mark, Mark is stating here that Tech for Life gives us a vision for the future of technology leadership based on the story careers of two of tech's best leaders and their deep commitment to improve the state of the world. And we also have Klaus Wock, who is the founder of World Economic Forum, and other people that have been uh, that we have been receiving blur from. But some so,
0: so the hitters have already endorsed it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I think that you know we are trying to build momentum in in fueling more to the movement a movement of the humanity technology discussing what's in between and how do we balance this. And some of the questions actually it's, it's a book with a lot of questions uh, and also some answers but there are much more more questions than answers mm.
0: um
1: and if you just put uh, you know a few of the of the major topics data trust and responsibility which is part of the book uh, conceptually you know on data mm. how do we use data without losing privacy it's a huge issue today it's a huge issue that we need to solve otherwise i think um yeah it's going to be a, a very bad it's a very bad situation where we are ending up, and, and this is where kind of the uh, the social media dilemma is so obvious that you know when when our data is treated like the currency that that is used to to monetize in a business model. I don't like the idea. Um, still, I am a user of Facebook, uh, but I've would, I would I've to say that in the 2017 Tech Festival. Hmm. We had a lot of discussions about you know how many of you guys actually do use uh, Facebook as an example, and, and some of us did, some of us did not. And when we made the computation of saying, what what would be the price that we should pay as a user of Facebook or a social media uh, of the like, if Facebook were to be hold harmless on the profits, and we could keep our own data. And I think that eventually it was less than $100, $100 a year, and then I'm, I'm, I'm totally aware that they will use a lot of users if they were to charge and so on and so on. But, but I have not seen any social media, uh, at least not for private purpose or private use that has come up with a model. And I think there should be one at some point, at, at some, at some point where you and I own our own data. We pay for it. That's fine. And I'm, I'm ready to do so. But data, how do we use data without losing privacy? It's, it's a huge question out there on trust. Um, a lot of discussion that we had in the book uh, about this is how do we use artificial intelligence without losing trust and control?
0: Wow.
1: And this is to what I just said before, explainable and unexplainable AI. Even that we as humans had the obligation to come up with something that is called unexplainable AI, I mean, it's scary. I, I think it's scary. And it doesn't mean I don't believe in AI. AI can do a lot of great stuff. But... When you get to the, you know, to the cross point, cross-over point, where you as human does not understand the conclusion of the computer, but you might make there, you know, you might go by the by the recommendation because you believe maybe that they are smarter than you are. Hey, I I do believe it's a huge issue. And then uh, responsibility on the on the last one on the book, we discussed how do we use platforms without creating monopolies. Mm. And that's also a big thing, and and um, uh, it's not it's not that you can claim that there's any social media platform uh, that is out there that, is, that that constitutes a monopoly. But I think that certainly they seemingly are too big uh, to form the way that uh, or to to organize be organized the way they organize today. And um, with the placing power of someone like Facebook and similar, they go and buy everything that that is you know in. Proximity of being uh, a competitor, uh, they have the placing power to go out and buy them out, and they do. Okay. Um, and I think that we as humans um, should not accept that. I, and and you know, the best part would be that we just sign out of all of this and just say, okay, let's go somewhere else. Yeah. And um, so, if you know of any, maybe maybe someone will will use the chat and and talk about it. If you know of any, I think that. Uh, I would i would be really happy to start supporting and maybe build one myself uh, on, on a social media platform and and, and it's really uphill but uh, but it starts somewhere else it starts actually with us being aware and netflix thank you for to netflix for having the social dilemma movie and so on the great hack and these kind of movies in the uh, in moving forward in understanding what are we up against kind of
0: yeah yeah you know it's so funny you mentioned that Lars, because even recently was reading an article in one of the tech magazines that Uh, I browse through online and there's now social media platforms that are coming out that are challenging kind of the experience and the design style that Facebook kind of was successful around and they're trying to make sure that the content is more interest-based that moderation is much more of 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 a priority. So we're kind of seeing right now, there's a huge conversation in the US, I think internationally about the role that media giants play in our lives. You know, for you, you've kind of shared where you where you fall on um, on that on that side of the argument. You know, do you believe consumers should ask for more from um, platforms such as a Facebook and, and other platforms that are similar?
1: I think they should, and I think they are. I think we are. Um, I mean, even to the extent where Facebook uh, seemingly uh, you know finds themselves forced to set up a board kind of on on ethics which many companies has, and, and they have as well. Um, but I think that actually stems from, you know, it starts from somewhere else uh, actually legal. So there is the, the Communications Decency Act, which is a, a big thing in the US. There is the Communications Com- communication Decency Act, Section 230 in the US is a legislation that was passed by Bill Clinton back in 1996. It's something we also discussed in the book. It's, um, it's an issue because what's, is stated in this uh, in this section 230 on the legal side is that the provider of, plat- of a platform is not liable for the content mm. and this is kind of it, this is kind of contrary to a uh, paper so if you run a newspaper you're kind of liable what's, what's put there but you know the thinking back then was that you know the internet is new and exciting and we need them to give them ample room to go out and 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 you know communicate all they have and back then, it was also kind of, you know, the the great new thing uh, where everyone was excited and say, okay, now it's equal right to information was kind of the support that this uh, section uh, um, section was giving in the Communication Decency Act. Mm. The problem is the problem is that you know today people can actually uh, not be held liable for the communication that is placed on these media, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. and that's
1: a huge it's it's a huge thing. And I think you know if in trying to answer your question best possible, probably what, what should be stated is that yes, we should ask them to think about, you know, the kind of issues that we're discussing here with the responsible use that we don't want to be traded with our data um, as a monetization of, in a, in a business model. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately, I don't, I don't know, at some point, I'll, I'll, I'll just guess aloud that Facebook at some point will come up with a solution that is a paid for thing. That then could uh, leave our data in our own, side, our own hands, if they are smart to do that. Otherwise, I believe someone else will do it. And, um, and I think maybe you know, if, if you look to something like LinkedIn, to me, and I know that uh, you actually work there, so maybe yeah, yeah. So maybe, maybe you're the right guy to ask him in this one. So, so how do you see some a, a place like LinkedIn? That is, and, and I use it. LinkedIn is only for business, and I use it for business only. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people kind of interpret LinkedIn as a social media platform similar to Facebook, so they post their, you know, uh, children's birthdays and whatnot. And, and, and that's not the purpose, in my in my belief. It's yeah. a paid for service, and we kind of in, in in fair control of our own data. I know I know not in total, but we don't have the advertising. There's a lot of stuff. How how do you uh, recognize LinkedIn as a social media platform?
0: Yeah, you know, I think I'm start, you're, you're starting to see a work life cross with LinkedIn and everyone's kind of uh per, perf- personal needs to have like a a social media platform that that feels that, that is professional but also at the same time still allows them to be their authentic self. And I think that's just because the the cultural norm is now encouraging people to show their authentic selves online. But also I think it's also because that Facebook is 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 is, is now known for a certain niche, which is family, yes. friends, you know, almost like it's almost like Facebook is almost like that um, that that album. Okay, Lars left y'all, but hey, we're still gonna go in. <laughs> Facebook is almost like that scrapbook album that your parents bring out when you're coming to Thanksgiving or it's, or it's Christmas and they want to show all of their friends, you know, your memories or their memories of you growing up as a kid. It's no longer that place where people, you know, post fresh content or even where marketers. Really try to, to to find an audience unless they're putting ads behind behind their reach. So it's a large point I've seen that Facebook has really changed in a big way to not really addressing a lot of the needs that the next generation of of content creators are looking for, but also even that existing people who are on the platform are looking for, which is allowing people to be their full authentic self, whether at work or you know personally. So you know, to large point, I definitely see a world where you know we'll have to you'll, you'll have to see what Facebook does to kind of embrace privacy and at the same time make it easy for people to, to be their authentic self Lars welcome back
1: <laughs> I don't know what happened but uh, somebody <laughs> don't, does not like what we're talking about here
0: right right they're trying to shut you down man they're trying to shut you down but you know what Ron was saying you know as you uh, as you left for a bit was that you know I agree with you um that LinkedIn is primarily a B2B platform, but they're also kind of solving a gap that other social media platforms aren't solving for, which is, you know, allowing people to be their their professional self and their personal self in a sense. And I think, you know, I think we're starting to see an unbundling of even platforms like LinkedIn as well as Facebook. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next five to seven years. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree.
1: So, um, yeah, so um, so I think some of some of these discussions are, are discussions that are you know um, that are very obvious that that humans need to to stand up and and mm-hmm. rest um, how we do it I have no clue um, I have some some uh, questions as, as I mentioned here uh, okay. uh, in the book and um, and actually you know if I should just paraphrase, the content of the book. Um, it is, it is, you know, our our aim, uh, Jim and myself, to go out and make a positive contribution to society. That is one design uh, criteria for the future of technology. It must technology must enhance the lives of its users. Mm. Um, technology should create opportunities for all. We should respect and enhance human rights, and we should be human centric at all all times. And mm. this is kind of the, the the building blocks in a compass that we built into uh, the book. That is stemming out of the Copenhagen letter back from 2017 um, and in, in in the way that we have been thinking uh, our way forward yeah
0: that's powerful Lars i want to ask yeah. you you know for you what are your thoughts on the future of work given the, the demands that consumers are asking for the technology and how COVID-19 has shifted us to remote work yeah
1: that's that's a really good question i mean um I think I echo uh, what many other people will say, that that we show that the world is still working, uh, to some extent. Um, and it does this based uh, on a lot of the technology that is used as we speak right here, right? We we could sit, you know, in the same studio as well, but mm. this is working uh, fine uh, too. And we, we knew this already, you know, before the COVID-19 situation, we knew that this was, but we were not using it in, in, enough, I believe. So there is a lot of um, there is a lot of open eyes uh, going in the direction of of reduction of business travel and so on and so on, and I believe that that also in the way that we are we are working together, uh, I totally believe that 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 this has changed and had an impact forever, and probably it is something that has has you know speeded up that process by 10, 20 years maybe or something like that uh in the way that 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 we feel and sense the proximity even so uh so so close and then top it up with with other technologies you know the the vr and whatnot i mean coming coming soon um and um and that was that will then kind of pivot into the next kind of experience in in the way that we see one another and it, this is not something new right so this is uh, well we have been doing skype for 20 plus years and and, and similar yeah. to that yeah. Right. But, but, but we have not used it as extensive, uh, intensive as we have done these months. Um, and it's not that we don't have Zoom fatigue and we're not, we are fed up with Zoom meetings and whatnot kind of uh, platforms. I'm, I'm, actually more, uh, even I should not say so. I mean, I, I'm, I'm more fed up by the number of platforms I have to work with. Uh, but, I, but that calls, calls to my own, uh, you know, promise that, that we don't want to form two heavy print monopolies either. Right. So, so I think that's, that's, that's perfectly fine. Um, but but basically, I think that that we are working we are working um, you know in a speedier process. We are working efficiently in in uh, by force uh, in, in in the way that we operate today.
0: And I and I think it works well. Mm, mm, mm. That's such a powerful point. That's such a powerful point for you. I would love for you to to ask you what are the the tools, the future of work tools in your productivity stack, right? That help you stay productive. That's often a, a question I ask my guests sure um yeah but I'm an I'm an
1: old-fashioned guy in, in many in many aspects here Tim so so you know i I have my, my to-do list kind of uh, um, and it's of course it's digital um, and so on but but it's not that I'm I'm using any any magic I don't have a wand of uh, of magic business uh, business processing tools and so on so I, I do use uh, my, my my lists my priority lists um and then then go from there and uh, the way that i, I work i'm i'm uh, i'm working on the on board level on on several startups and and scale ups uh, and with them i'm you know i'm seeing that these are the kind of next gen people uh you know from the late 20s to the uh, to the late 30s and uh and actually one one thing that was interesting was to uh, was to see the the reaction from these guys to a situation with COVID where in a variety of of uh, of businesses you know it has been some sometimes it was helpful to the business sometimes it was painful to the business but if you pair that up with the with the kind of uh, seniority seniority of the leadership team um you know i i can see a lot and it does it's not it's not necessarily based on on how old you are it's also you know the the kind of uh, work age that you have so some of them uh, Go panic because they never saw a crisis before uh, and mm. say, Hey, everything is falling apart. And the business was strong enough that it did not. And others is saying, okay, this is a great opportunity. We go to double down on investment and, and uh, run away from competitors uh, because we have uh, the leadership, uh, you know, mindship, and we will run like, run like crazy. So, so people uh, respond from a leadership and a kind of work, uh, work, um, work opportunity. In a way that is very different uh, and based on uh, again not not on their on not how old they are actually but,
0: but more on on you know the the mindset Yeah, that's amazing that's a mind and i often say it's a mindset um when it comes to kind of taking control of your career and really kind of creating the structures that, that help you be successful and what we're seeing now right. with work is that a lot of workers are not creating their own routines but a lot of organizations are encouraging uh, work is to work from home um, due to COVID nineteen. Right, and then and then your experience, Jim, what, is, it,
1: is this working? I, I guess I mean you're you are you set up your business here recently, right? So
0: this is uh, how old is it? Oh, so my so we've been building guy for a year and a half now, and given COVID nineteen, okay. we pivot the business. So I've been working from home and living this lifestyle for quite some time. So when it happened, it was just really natural for us and our team because we've been working like okay. this already for so long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the it's the next normal, as they all say now. It it is, um, but I think it's
1: it's not all it's not all for the bad. I I, I certainly do look uh, look forward to uh, seeing the vaccine coming out and and giving us the flexibility to some some travel and and not to uh, to have this kind of. I can say control on us at this point in time. I mean, schools are open in, in my country, schools are open, but uh, there are lots of other stuff that is, that is not. Um, so of course it is, it is a pain. I think from a work, from a work point of view, I think that uh, that people are, people are, you know, adjusting to the new normal and uh, in a way that is, that is functional and, um, and they are, they are doing
0: what they have to do in order to, to push the business forward. Lars, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Lars, what would be your powerful takeaway for our community that's listening and they want to use technology to take control of their life? They don't want to be controlled by technology. How would you encourage them to, you know, have more control and access over the tools that they use? So, so if if I
1: should have you know give a kind of um, takeaway uh, on my part, it would be to go to Amazon and buy the book and read it. <laughs> go and go and look, go and look for Tech for Life. Um, and um, and you know then there there need to be a lot of momentum behind a movement in order for it to happen. Mm. And it's a big obligation on everyone that we go out and and you know push the way forward in the way that we think this should be technology for good and not technology for the other side. So responsible use of technology, and I think that all of us in technology, you know, by heart, this is what we want to see. But there are some parts of the world, some companies that is getting too abusive, too monopolistic in the way they think, that is harvesting from the data that they derive. It is a new goal, and it's something that is our goal, and we don't just want it to be a, a possibility for companies building monopolies, forcing the gods of us. And it's, it's not the way humanity is meant.
0: yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Thank you so much, Lars, for sharing that and for blessing our community with such wisdom on what the future of work and the future of technology is going to look like. And I love the way that you kind of broke down that. You know, countries like Denmark and places like Copenhagen, you all are focusing on how do you use technology to drive longevity of life. And I think that's fascinating because that is the healthy in between that we need to focus on as a technology um, industry. And I think that's where technology is going. So it's really exciting that you shared that. And if you have not checked out Tech Tech for Life, please check out Tech for Life. You know Lars and his co-author have written an amazing book that I think is going to change the world. So we needed we need to get into it as many hands as possible. Lars, I would love to have you on to the on the show when you release your next book. What do you think? <laughs> I come in, man. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lars. Man. All right. Talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Oh, then. Bye, Lars. That was the amazing Lars Singor, who is the author of Tech for Life along with his co-founder. Thank you so much for checking and joining this episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you have questions, you have thoughts, put them in the comments. If you think there's someone in your network, specifically maybe your boss or a coworker, or someone that's building technology for the future of life, make sure that they check out this episode, share it on YouTube, share it on LinkedIn. It's completely available. And then more importantly, make sure to go get (laughs) your big black tea. We get daily orders of this, and we've been so excited to see the movement, not only around God, but just around our tea brand as well, which is really, really exciting. And for those of you who don't know, tea is a billion-dollar industry. People love the tea we're so grateful that in times of hardship and craziness, we were able to launch such a successful tea brand. So make sure you get out, you get out and check out Big Black Tea, which is BigBlackTea.com. BigBlackTea.com. That's where you can get either Zen or Harmony, and we already have gotten requests for different uncaffeinated herbal lines, as well as a completely tea line of accessories. So we are taking all of that feedback in, and we appreciate all of you who are supporting us in our movement. Thanks team guy, really, really appreciate you. All right, that was the episode for today. Let me know your thoughts. If you have all kinds of ideas on what our next episode should be, don't be afraid to reach out to me at utfow.com if you wanna be a guest, or you know someone that'll be a great guest. As always, our platform is your platform, You know, and let us be a platform for you. All right, y'all, head it out. Today's gonna to be a really, really awesome day. To bond, my co-founder, is in town. We're going to go take pictures for a photo shoot because we're working on a redesign for our website. We all know how website design projects are. But hey, if you want to show us some love and you're in Oakland, let me know. If you're doing something exciting today, let me know. Enjoy yourself, have fun, live your best life, and have a great Monday. And don't forget, don't forget, because I can't forget either. Make sure if you are in the U.S. to go out and vote. It is important that we all show up in this election cycle And vote and make sure that we enact our right. It's an important election cycle that's going to not only affect the U.S., but the state of our world. So make sure you go out and vote in your local area, whether it be Oakland or if you are in Springfield, Illinois, go out and vote. Right, Wherever you're at, go out and vote. All right, y'all. As always, peace, love and abundance. Bye, y'all. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.